And we are live, man. Appreciate y'all tuning in to the Blue Bloods. Coach's Corner right here, man. Going back over a wild week two of FCS HBC football, man. There was so much to talk about, man. Listen, yesterday, had to push the show back to today, man. Coach got called up with meetings really late. And your boy was – we Coach, we had – an hour delay in Sioux Falls because we couldn't apparently they couldn't find a battery for a flashlight and it was illegal for us to take off without a flashlight and so I missed my connecting flight I was in Dallas for like six seven hours straight because they tried to book me today to fly in and like it was just wild so I was exhausted so man we pushed it back to 4 30 today man a little bit earlier than we're coming than we're usually going live but coach man how you feeling man week two in the books week three on the horizon Man, I'm better, man. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's amazing. Like me, and you were kind of talking. You get in at four o'clock in the morning from a weight trip and have to be back in and get started on well to finish that one and get started on the next one uh, before noon. Man, that 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 time comes really really quick. Uh, so you know, back energized today. Uh, on to the next. Fix the last one. Feeling good. Feeling good. Man, there's this 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 weekend. Uh, you know, the first two weeks are kind of a teaser. You get you get a lot of money games. You get a, you get some teams playing D two, but this week, man, we we finally had our first upsets of the year. The FCS breaks through. Finally, gets that el- elusive FBS upset with three this week. Two of them we kind of talked about possibly seeing happening, <laughs> and then ooh, that last one, man, Fordham. Two weeks after not looking great, man, they pull it off and beat Buffalo. And I will say Buffalo, two straight losses to Patriot League teams. Holy Cross beat them last year. Fordham this year, they're probably they, done scheduling Patriot League teams. They ain't playing them no more. <laughs> <laughs> but So, Coach, before we get into the, the games we want to talk about, man, let's talk about just general takeaway storylines from the week. And I want to start here, man, before I toss it to you, because I have a an issue with this because – I man, know where you're going. The FCS in general has a perception of like a lower level of football and media coaches, players are constantly fighting to prove that this level is just like any other level of college football, which it is in terms of talent wise. You hear Shador, you hear other FCS to FBS transfers talk about, man, the difference really is just the depth. It's sometimes the facilities, it's the offensive line, D line, like the skill, like there's talent at the top of the FCS. If I see another game where they do not keep live stats, I'm, I just I just don't understand how we're doing that, Coach. Like, the neutral site game may be a little bit of an excuse because the Chicago Classic, it was like kind of one of the first times they're bringing it back. You know, they're probably trying to get everything in order, so maybe I kind of understand there. But, man, a home game at, at, your, at your own stadium and the link to live stats links to the Grambling game from last season – <laughs> and the stats aren't available till Sunday night. And then there's reports that those stats are wrong. As a subdivision, man, it's got to get better. Like that can't happen as a Division One football program. And we we are all fighting for, you know, like you said, legitimacy. Um, those type of things can't happen. You know, uh, you've got to have it. You've got to be up to, to you know the technology. As they say, every stadium now should be wired correctly uh, for those type of things, for that issue, for that reason alone. Uh, so I'm with you on that. We got to get better in that area uh, if we want to continue to to fight and say, hey, we belong across all of FCS, not just, uh, you know, HBCUs, but all FCS if we want to say we belong legitimately. 
Yeah, it's a big thing because especially, too, you already talk about the lack of resources that most FCS programs have. Man, do you know how hard it is on coaching staffs? Even with the film breakdown, because coaches don't always just look at the stats, but it's nice to have them as a coach to evaluate how your team did. If a coaching staff, because because you're looking at these two teams, Jackson has to go play Texas, Texas State, who is an up-and-coming group of five program, right. and Southern has a crucial – their first – Okay, they've played two SWAC programs. Neither of them counted. That's a whole other argument. Their first true <laughs> conference game this upcoming week against Alabama A&M, yeah. and neither team has access to the data that they need to help start preparing on because on, Sunday night's film study night. Yeah, and it's not even about, like you said, the, the numbers, so to speak, but it's about the numbers. I need to know uh, what corner's playing. I need to know what corner's playing the most. You know, he's played this many snaps, you know, uh, I need to know if I need to throw at blue or not. You know, blue's got 30 snaps and, and 10 interceptions. I don't need to throw at him. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So the numbers do help uh, when you're talking about the breakdown and all that. And, of course, yeah, you got film. But the numbers help. It gives you the initial start point, where you need to go at, uh, what you need to attack. You know, it, it, it helps. It really does. Yeah, and I think looking across the FCS in general, in terms of other takeaways – Man, the D twos are whooping up on some <laughs> on some FCS programs right now, man. Like Davidson kicked it off Friday night, losing to Barton College. Don't know where that is. Thirty three to thirty one. The Pioneer League, the SWAC, and the MEAC did not represent well these first two weeks in terms of Division two games. By the way, and then I mean, even on top of that, I'm trying to find the other one. That there were a few this week that just that just made me sick. You got Alabama State a week after winning. A very, very important game at home over Southern. They go out and get beat by Miles. And it, you're looking, and now San Diego loses to Colorado Mesa this weekend as well. And I mean, it, it's just, it, we got to stop that. Also, uh, Valpo loses to Indiana Westland this weekend as well. So, what's that? Four Division yeah. two losses just this week across uh, FCS football. I'm just making sure. Oh, yeah. Drake lost to Northwestern. Not the not the FBS program, the di like Division two or Division three program. Stetson struggled with Weber International, and I I'm just looking across and it's like, man, as a, like we got to do better than that. That uh, th there's more Division two upsets than FCS over FBS upsets right now. And and Weber is uh in NAIA. I know that because that's from the crib. That's that's down at the house. But that's uh, worse. That's, <laughs> oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, and I thought that's where you were going first. Uh. But you're, you're media, so I can get the whole stat thing. But I thought this is where you were going first, uh, especially on the ride back, you know, uh, licking my wounds from that loss. And I started going through the scores, and I saw the the Bama State and Miles. I was like, oh, man, my boy Blue is not going to be happy about this one. No. Uh, and, and, you know, the coach of me is like, man, that's got to be tough because you just came off a very big win. And then come back and drop that one. I was like, that's got to be tough. Got to be. Tough. You got you got to be right at high because I know Southern Alabama State wasn't a conference mat. Like it didn't count for the conference standings, but still, that's a conference win. And Southern was the team that was picked to win the West. Came to your house late. Yeah, so it was a big game in general, and you win that one, and now you lose to Miles, and now everyone's looking kind of like, okay, well. What does that mean for the – and I try to tell people yeah. like this, Coach, because I know you're a coach, so it's a little bit different. Like, yes, the the theory of, like, you know, this – like, 
this team beat this team. So it must be like if team A beats team B and then team B beats team D, then team A must be better than team D. That doesn't work. Like the transitive property doesn't work. But in overall perception of a conference, it does work for people's perception. And what does that mean for people who don't watch SWAC football that are looking at it seeing, okay, well, Bama State beat the number one team in the other division, but then they lose to a division two school. What is that like that to me, looking at from a media perspective, that hurts the Alcorns that hurts the Jackson States that hurts the, the Prairie views because now when, the, when they go out and play, if they don't win, everyone's like, Oh yeah, well, of course that conference isn't any better than the D two conference. And that's what it is right now. I mean, that's the narrative is that the, the overall that not just the West, not just the East, but the overall conference itself is down. Um, and again, in no way taking anything from Miles. Miles is a good yeah. program. Coach uh, Coach Rag before he left had it up and running, and the new guys keeping it moving. It's a good program, no doubt. But at the end of the day, that's just not supposed to happen. Um, so you throw the fact out that Miles is a good program. You throw that out. Everyone just looks at the fact that they're D two, um, yeah. and then that's where the issue comes in. And you know that's just one of those games that you can't pay for a loss, you know, in that situation and vice versa when you're talking about FBS versus 1AA, as the famous uh, Sam Washington said, you can't have people standing in your visiting locker room saying, go get my money. You know, you can't have that. Uh, so I can only imagine how, you know, you you are riding high because you beat Southern. Southern was picked to win it all, play for the championship. You know what I mean? And now, uh, how do how do, how do do we gauge, you know, what, 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 what are we? Who are we? Um, yeah. I know the outside perception is, well, maybe neither one of them are very good, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, that, those are tough. Those are tough. And Miles has another opponent in the conference. And it's not going to be an easy win. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let's not forget, Tuskegee is not a bad program either, and they still got some swag games on their schedule too. So, I, I mean, there's and let's not forget, Delta State hosting Valley next week. Um that big bad program down in West Florida making the trip down to Tallahassee next week with FAMU riding real high. And Valley's in Valley's in real trouble of dropping two D2 games back to back. You know, let's not forget about that. That's that's a story loud in itself as well. And I will say this because before we move on, I, will, I, I, will, I do want to make the clarification because there's some people who get upset when people get upset about D2 losses and, and stuff like that. Like, I do agree at the end of the day. Division doesn't matter. The logos on the chest doesn't matter. You still got to go out there and play 11 versus 11. And that's great. And, and there's some really good D2 teams that probably could compete at the FCS level. I get that. But at the end of the day, you still need to win those games. Like you have more scholarships. You you, you have all these events. Like those, those are games you can't lose. Like I'm not saying that the D2 teams aren't good or anything like that. Cause I, I see people, especially this weekend after some of the D2 losses, they're like, it's still football. I don't know why you guys are surprised. It was like, yeah, but those are still games you need to win. And to put it in perspective, they have five, five really good Jimmy's and Joe's, right? Five. Yeah. We're supposed to have at least 10. We go play FBS. They're going to have at least 15. That's how it should go. So my 10 Jimmys and Joes should be able to outlast their five Jimmys and Joes when you get down to it. And that's all I was saying. Like, again, yeah. Miles has a great program. The staff that's at Tuskegee is a program that got Miles rolling. Uh, it's split half and half. So those guys know how to win games. Uh, yeah. They know how to recruit. Uh, so, yeah, and they're still on some schedules in the conference. So it's going to be – 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of teams. Well, it's a lot of teams on notice now because you don't win those games and then go unnoticed now. It's a lot of teams on notice. I will say an underrated one. Now, now one to make some people feel better, Ferris State, who is, I want to say, ranked, what, one or two at Division Two right now? They're, they're one of the best teams. They just yeah, won a national five. title. Yeah, they travel to Montana next week. That's a very – because Mont- you are not competing in the big sky. <laughs> losing that and, you, and Montana didn't look very impressive a week ago they looked a lot better this weekend but I will say I, I do agree with Leon's comment I, I I don't think there's a huge gap between D2 and FCS but I, here's how I look at it is there's a big gap between the top of FCS and division two but where the where the distinction really comes in especially even when you look at FBS to FCS to D2 is the bottom of FBS is not that different than the top of FCS and then the bottom of FCS is not very different than the top of D2. Because like me and you talked last show, there's some D2 programs that probably can move up right now yeah. and just have it. So I do agree the gap isn't big, but I will say if you want to consider yourself the best at whatever level you're playing at, you can't lose to schools in lower divisions. That's just the, at the end of the day, if you want to claim you're the best, that's not a mistake you can make. And again, I, I'll say it, and I said it on one of our shows before, um, and don't take it wrong. I mean, we're not running. We're not ducking anybody if I'm a head coach. But to me, again, that game, uh, I don't know if we really need to schedule that game um, just because we're supposed to beat them. Uh, when you lose, what is going on? You know, that kind of thing. So I don't I don't know if the benefit of playing that outweighs the outcome if you don't win it, you know, if that makes sense. That's true. And Leon did make a good point because, you know, you hear this narrative in the FCS is that the Montana States, North Dakota States, South Dakotas, all, all those teams, they have an advantage because they don't have any Division One teams in their state. And so they're kind of like the big programs. You got to look at the, at the top D2 schools, Ferris State and Grand Valley. Michigan has Michigan, Michigan State, but they have no FCS teams. Right. So it's kind of no- like the same distinction there yeah. where there's like no other mid-level. But I will say my last takeaway, Coach, before we get into some games – as much as there were some big FCS upsets, man, there were some really upsetting losses in these money games where it was like one, the Holy Cross loss, 31-28 is like one play away. But I will say one game I want to address specifically, the Morgan loss to Akron. Almost. Man, I'm sick still looking at that game. I mean, Coach, did you have a chance to go look at that last possession? Not the last one, which is what everyone said. I need to go check that out. I just looked at, you know, all the way, kind of sketching through the first, the second, and then into the third. So I hadn't got a chance to finish the fourth quarter yet. Man, man let me tell you, I was so sick. I mean, Morgan is just running the running the clock out pretty much. In 52 seconds, they their running back fumbles it, and they return it for a touchdown to win. 52, <laughs> like, they were one first down. One first down away from from leaving with an FBS upset, and they're running. And JJ Davis fumbles the football, and they return it 13 yards for the touchdown to win. I mean, Morgan did not allow an offensive touchdown in the second half. Coach, they talked about that defense. the, the, The defense is disgusting. They forced three interceptions. The leading rusher for Akron only had 27 rushing yards. Man, and it came down to a fumble on the last possession when you're just trying to run out the clock. And to me, I'm not going to say, you know, listen, it happens. At the end of the day, it happens. But if you're a running back coach, that's a thing of nightmares. Listen, do not touch this football unless you have unless you have both hands on that football. And, I mean, you're going to have to kill me to get that ball out. 
I mean, it's got to be high tight with two with face mask. It's got to be covered up. Um, first contact, you go down. It doesn't matter if you get an extra yard or extra two yards. You're not going to take it uh, 83 yards for the touchdown. Get what you get. Get out and let's start it over again. Uh, that defense is nasty, and it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound from this because this kind of loss could actually, you know, deflate you for the year or this can, you know, rebound them and be really, really tough come conference play. Yeah, I will say, I mean, just think about, Coach, if you came into this game, and just it, 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 from your perspective as the coach, you guys are playing in FBS school. I tell you, you guys only allowed 270 yards. Eight yards rushing with .3 yards per carry, force five turnovers, and win the time of possession. You're taking that every day. Every day, twice on Sunday, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every day, twice on Sunday. No doubt about it. Oh man, Damon Wilson, man, I, I'm rooting. And to me, Absolutely. okay, I want I want to ask you something because I, I had this debate, and you know, I dropped my top 25 today. You know, we had to vote and everything, and you know, there was an 0 and 2 team in there because they played two money games to the, this so far. Southeastern Louisiana, they played South Alabama, and I want to say Mississippi State. They look competitive in both. They were really competitive this week against uh, South Alabama, and some and people were like, but it's still losses. You still lost. So, like, how do you, how are you still ranked if you are losing games? For you, just just take your coach hat off. Just you as like, and now you're in media. Now you're now you're on the show. Do you think FCS teams should be punished for f for FBS losses? I don't. Um, again, because it doesn't it doesn't add up. So I could be two and zero, oh, and I'd be Florida Memorial and Bishop Sycamore. Uh, Am I reward? Do I go straight to the top for that? So it's 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 the same thing, just in reverse. Uh, like you said, as long as we're competitive in that, um, as long as it's not fifty-eight to nothing type scores, in uh, both of those games, like you said, they were competitive, and at one point we're really close. Uh, I think you you do your best, and, but you know how I feel about early season rankings anyway. But uh, yeah. I don't think you get punished for that, and I think you could actually help yourself by that as long as you're being competitive i agree because they're um i i i i guess moved holy cross up in my rankings because they played so well against a power five team like that looked good and if you win i mean obviously you got to jump too but like if a team goes and plays an sec school and loses by 30 like to me that doesn't that's not an indictment i mean like montana state last year gave up i want to say 66 points to oregon state and people were kind of freaking out and it's like that's a team that was competitive for a national title last year. Like it's, it's still a different, it's still a different thing. So I was just wondering, cause there were some people who were really upset. Yeah. I, I, Phil's got a point losing to 80 by Toledo might have to drop, but I'm, uh, that team is not in the top 25, but, and, It'll beat and me to it. I was just about yeah. to say, I mean, now had you put them in that type of situation, Oh, yeah. uh, then I got to look at you like, uh, we couldn't find anybody else. I, I, I will say this. No team that's realistically, I would say, okay, I won't say top 25, especially preseason because you never know with you know who gets the hype, but there's no true top 25 FCS team that's losing to Toledo by 80. I did not expect that since we're on that topic, and I know we're moving on. Starting quarterback was out, though. Yeah. And, you that's know, you can't. You came off a close loss in a rivalry. I mean, that was that was the most important game of the season for Texas Southern. They choke it away. Then your starting quarterbacks out, and you're missing a few starters. Man, think I, I, it's tough. It's so tough to get motivated for that. I, and you know what I think? Okay, so I understand because I will say this. I, I know. Listen, I talked to the bodies. 
Andrew was hurt. He was not bad. So he, he wasn't held out. Like he's hurt. He's going, he's getting treatment, all that kind of stuff. But I will say, I mean, that's, that's brutal. And I just wanted, I just, I just wonder if the team as a whole kind of saw that as like mailing it in, like, okay, well, all these guys are out. Like, are, are we like, how do we compete that's, with this one? And that's the thing, man. Now uh, I'm thinking what you said, but just kind of in reverse. Now you just got beat by 67 points or whatever it was. It was bad. Um, what are we doing this week? You know what I mean? Uh, did we turn our phones off? Um, are we off social media? Because I'm sure that fan base wasn't happy. I'm sure everybody near that program wasn't happy and wasn't expecting that because it's not like you went to go play Ohio State or Alabama. No sliding to the Mac, but you know, it was to- you could say it, Coach. It was Toledo. <laughs> like that—that—that's what you were trying to say. It's—it's—it's it's, it's Toledo at the end. Of, I mean, when has Toledo been good? I don't in know. Recent if, memory. I don't know if they beat anyone in their conference. Uh, you know by that many. So I just, I worry as a coach, I worry about the kid's psyche now, you know, what are you doing this week to get up off the mat? Um, and then if you do get off the mat and your next ball game, you fall behind a quick 14. Um, what happens? You know, this was a team with a lot of off season hype, brother. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. off season hype. You can't, you can't get beat by 67 with a lot of off season hype and come back and tell me you're good mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. Believe it. you got to show me. It was sixty-eight, and to, and to add to, to make things worse, they went for two the first touchdown. <laughs> like that somebody said, they didn't have their kicker or something. He was suspended or something like that. I don't know how true that. that was. Okay, they kicked extra points on the rest of their touchdown. So I, I yeah. don't. I don't. That's a bad excuse. If your kicker's hurt. Go for the whole game. Don't put me down eight nothing on some BS. Like, come on, man. I mean, coach, I mean, I, 70, it's tough to, I mean, 71 to three. I'm telling in you that right game. now. I'm and telling you right it, now. Coming to, coming to midfield, uh, it ain't nothing you can tell me. Now, that oh. would be more justifiable. What Eddie, what, what Erod yeah. did last year? Oh, yeah. No, we, we're going to have words. I mean, coach, their quarterbacks combined for 27 of 32. For 377 yards and five touchdowns, their starting quarterback went 16 of 17 for 238 and three touchdowns. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out as we're coming to midfield. I'm trying to figure out what were you doing, you know? And uh, then they rushed for five touchdowns as well. So I'm looking for the chair like Bobby Knight. We we're not even going to see the end of this game. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to pick on them too much. That, that's a bad. That's bad. That. That's terrible, but man, look, looking at the FBS upsets of the week, man, we called this one. I mean, I don't think either one of us was surprised about this Idaho game, but the I would say the domination of it was more. I mean, thirty-three to six, coach Idaho over Nevada. They held they had the Wolfpack to under three hundred yards of total offense this weekend, and I mean they. They look as good. I mean, everyone wondered if they were going to be able to live up to the preseason hype. Giovanni McCoy looks like he's taking the next step. Three thirteen and two touchdowns. And then on top of that, man, I mean, he just has so many weapons from Hayden Hatton. Ivy played really, really well the transfer this weekend. You still got Jermaine Jackson. Your rushing attacks getting you, I mean, solid yards behind Anthony Woods. Uh, Idaho looks legit right now. That's your guy. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, you kind of had this on the radar, right? Yeah, we talked about it on yeah. the preview show. That this was one that I, I think I think 
the FCS needed. And I do think it's one where Idaho last year, obviously first-year head coach, true freshman or a redshirt freshman starting quarterback in McCoy, you know, they go seven and five, but it was a very impressive seven and five upset win at Montana. Everyone wondered what was the next step under uh, under Eck as head coach. It looks like they've taken it because this was a dominant performance. Yeah, I was going to say they didn't just get by now. They uh, they outgained them by almost uh, 200. Uh, you know, they turned them over three times, uh, you know, to, to come out and do this. Uh, the people in Nevada can't be happy. You know what I mean? They lost to Incarnate Word last year, too. 300 yards passing. You gave up a buck 50 on the ground. Uh, and then on top of that, they turn you over. And at, you know, at best, as I'm going back through my little note here, at best, I don't even think this was uh, close, no. you know, at no point other than, you know, the start. Um, but you and I will tip my hat to you. You've been raving about this QB uh, from the beginning. And uh, he ain't let you down. <laughs> he had not let you down. Not yet. He continues to. I mean, it was 14 to six, like midway through the second quarter. And they, and they didn't allow another point after that. You got to give them their props, man. Idaho looks legit. I, I'm interested because, you know, we've seen Idaho now beat Nevada. They have, they have an interesting game this weekend, coach Cal power five team. Not a great Power Five team coming off a loss to Auburn this past weekend. Man, Idaho. I mean, they did not look good last week against Auburn, and Auburn's terrible too. So, I, Idaho can make things extremely interesting this weekend. And if you're looking at Idaho, three and zero, a Group of Five upset, thirty three to six, which was dominant, and then a Power Five win. Man, that that, that that's a team that that's got to go to the top of twenty five, right? Got to go to the top, right? People are going to put. I, I don't. I don't know. See, because I'm think saying they, by that other logic, by that other logic, they got to go yeah, to the top, right? Yeah, by the other logic, because I, I would say this: I would have a hard time not putting them at two. But after what I saw this weekend with South Dakota State, I couldn't give them the edge there, just because I mean South Dakota State just went out there and, and beat the you know my number two team in the country. Um, I, I I think Idaho is a bona fide FCS championship contender this year. I know people might think I'm a year too early saying that, but they check off all the boxes that you need. You have the elite wide receivers. You have the quarterback that can go win you games. The yes. defense has played way better than expected. I love their secondary. They got multiple players in the secondary, including including Tommy McCormick, who we had an interview with. Um, my guy Timothy interviewed for the Blue Bloods. They check all the boxes for how good this team could be. The question mark becomes when they get to playoff time, you know, Can it's different. Healthy? It's the same thing people say about the NBA playoff football and FCS that late, that late November, early December football is different than right now. And so it's like, can they beat those teams that have all that experience playing late into the year? And that's the question. And how good is, and, and how good are they uh, depth wise? You know, you got to figure uh, just the wear and tear two back, two back to back FBS uh, games. Um, you know, how good are they? Uh, how good are their backups? And then, you know, they've got to – everybody, like you said, people are saying a year away. They've got to focus on right now. Uh, and I hate to bring up that as we get ready to move on, but there's going to be some NIL money coming toward that QB. I don't care what anybody says. He's putting a lot of people on notice, uh, and he's a young kid, you know. So yeah. 
he continues to do his thing. They've got to be focused on getting that thing done right now because they don't know what's going to happen uh, past this season, you know, in-house with him. I will say Eck came from Eck has experience coaching at South Dakota State. I mean, listen, you look at that South Dakota State team, I can name about 10 guys F- FBS programs that probably wanted. So he has experience in terms of keeping guys in-house. I mean, look, he, he was coaching there when they had, I mean, some elite, elite players. So we'll see. But I, I will California say, kid, right? Yes, I, yes, I believe yeah. so. So, I mean, he, he's a dog, man. And there's some teams in California who probably wish they would have recruited him. <laughs> I'll say that. We'll, 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 we'll put a pin in it there, man. But one that – I was a little bit, you know, we talked about it, but I was still a little bit surprised of how it played out because I didn't, if you would have told me this team struggled offensively, I I wouldn't have guessed they would have won this game, but they found a way to do it. Southern Illinois beating Northern Illinois in a conference, quote unquote, rivalry, you know, FCS over FBS. Coach, we saw this last year. I will say I'm a little hesitant for the the Salukis, man, because they went and beat Northwestern last year. We talked about that on the preview they won four or five straight games after that and then lost the last four, fell out of the top 25, didn't make the playoffs. My my question for this team is, can you build on the momentum you you have this weekend? They have an impressive win over Austin P. week one, a great win this weekend over Northern Illinois. Can you keep that going into conference play? And that's my biggest question with Southern Illinois. And then you look at the numbers, man. They won this game uh, in the turnover battle. Uh in the penalty game, uh, because when you go back and you look at the numbers, you're like, if you just look at the numbers and no score, you're like, okay, they, they, they didn't win this game. Uh, almost 300 yards passing, they gave up. Uh, and then you're looking at, you know, they did a great job with the run defense, but how many times are you going to be within a game to where you can get the team turned over three times, lose the time of possession battle, uh, lose the first down battle, and still be able to win the game? Uh, so like you said, momentum, they've got to be riding high because they've done it two weeks in a row. Uh, where do they go from here offensively? Cause that's gotta be a concern, uh, barely 200 yards of total offense. They've got to, you know, you've got to be able to pick that up. Cause how many times are you going to be able to hold teams to under, under 14 points, you know, Not in a that conference. Yeah, because they were one for 11 on third down, too. They struggled all yeah. night <laughs> I forgot on, that. Yeah. On, on, on third down. Man. But I got to give it up. Man. My guy, PJ, uh, PJ played really well. 11 tackles, one and a half for loss, man. Tim Varga is emerging on the defensive line, man. Six tackles, two for loss, two sacks this weekend. The secondary is legit, man. They forced three interceptions. And if it wasn't for the defense forcing turnovers, this game probably gets, gets out of hand for them. So you have to give the defense credit, man. Sometimes you need that. I, I want to make sure people understand like, man, not every team plays their best every weekend. And so man, when your offense has an off week, Gotta when you're an offensive minded team and that defense steps up and gets you this win, it That's actually probably, it could instill confidence. Like this offense is now looking in the locker room when you have that team meeting, like, man, if we play at our best and they play like that, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that can beat us. Yeah. It, it, it can give you a vote of confidence, like you said, and send you to another level uh, because you played your absolute worst and you were still able to come out with a victory. But, you know, as coaches, uh, it could have been 2 nothing. Still take the victory. Oh, always, the- <laughs> always take the victory, man. Shout out to my God, JB, man, for, for, jo- for joining the membership, man. Appreciate you. But, Coach Fordham, we listen, we covered their week zero game, man. Albany with, with, with the big win uh, over them. And, you know, they were kind of last week they bounced back. But now they're sitting at 2-1. and one. 
with a 40 to 37 win over Buffalo men's second straight upset from the Patriot League over Buffalo men. Shout out to Holy Cross last year hitting the Hail Mary man, but Fordham finds coach. We talked, we talked week zero and said, man, they got to find something offensively. And we were a little hard on Montez at quarterback. Kid came out through 309 and five touchdowns with no turnovers. 36 times through it's 36 times. So they they went and they said, hey, you're our guy. They put confidence in him. Uh, they had to have confidence in him. They threw it 36 times, and it and it worked. And uh, like you said, uh, we're talking behind. Uh, Buffalo's probably done with playing these type people, uh, you know, just because. But when you when you put that in your confidence um, from the way he played week one to this week right here, uh, if he comes back and they're able to do this again, they're right back in contention, I think, because now you have an opportunity to, uh, like you said, get that confidence. You're ready to freaking go. Uh, MJ Wright did what? Oh, that's my guy. <laughs> that's my guy. I should have texted him and, and been like, bro, you better watch the show because you got to get a shout-out, man, because, I mean, hey. what, seven for 159 and a touchdown. And then Makai Felton played really well. He was the number four wide receiver last year. Obviously, their top two guys graduated six for 66 yards and two and two touchdowns. And then Garrett yeah. Cody had a big game too with another receiving touchdown. I mean, give Fordham credit. They could have easily packed it in, man. Had a really unimpressive game against um UAlbany week zero, man. And you know, we questioned whether they were going to compete for the Patriot League, man, because Holy Cross looks legit. If they yeah. can get this type of offensive production and Montez continues to grow as a quarterback, I mean, uh, man, they can make things a little interesting, man. So shout out, shout out to Fordham for getting this win, man, because this was one that I was a little iffy on, man, but uh, listen, that offense came to play. But, Coach, shifting to some games that we covered in the preview that we have to break down a little bit, man. Quit, you know, our first, Some of these guys, we're just going to kind of you know, generalize what kind of happened and give our thoughts. But then, of course, we got to break down our game of the week, man. We got a lot to get into in that one, man, in attendance. And I got a lot of takes on that. But, Coach, Tennessee State getting their first win in the Southern Heritage Classic under head coach Eddie George, 24-14 to 14 win over UAPB. That included a huge shift. In, I mean, it included multiple shifts in momentum. A huge block field goal in this game kind of changed the momentum. We, we had, I mean, listen, they, both these teams could run the football at a high clip as well. What were your biggest takes from this weekend in, in Memphis? Just the uh... – the balance, like you said, between the two teams offensively um, and then defense, you know, Tennessee State was able to pass the ball uh, almost at nine yards a clip. Uh, so was UAPB. And they found a way at the end, like you said, with the momentum swing, uh, six of 11, third down for uh, Tennessee State, five of 12 for UAPB. Um that momentum, when you're talking special teams, you can't put a price on it because essentially, like you said, that just kind of put it over the top for them. Uh, but just to see that UAPB came out and wanted to compete and wanted to be competitive uh, puts a lot of people, us included, on notice uh, because those kids never – they didn't fold. They kept you know, kept playing at it. Um, and if they can find a way to really throw the ball a little more efficient. Uh, I think they'll be pretty tough. They'll be tough down the, down the stretch. Before I get into Tennessee State, I do want to shout out some, like, listen, Arkansas Pond Bluff, if they don't do anything else this year, they got them something in that redshirt freshman running back. Oh, ain't no doubt. He is, he is, listen, he's going to be an FCS freshman All American if he keeps going the way he is, man. I mean, Seven this kid. 
Yeah, out of Athens, Georgia. I don't know how they went into Georgia and got this kid. This weekend, 167 and a touchdown. And for the season, remember, they played Tulsa last week. FBS right. school, he's still average, he's still got almost 300 yards on the season, and he's averaging over six yards per carry as a redshirt freshman. That kid can ball out. And for on the defensive side, Fleming. I want real I want familiar with his game coming into the year. Three tackles for loss, two sacks. That kid was everywhere, man. And and, they, and UAPB had a kid that was um, what was it? Uh, Pro Football Focus Team of the Week last week. That yeah. de- they got that the pieces are there for UAPB to be a really good team. I don't know if they get it done this year, but I do think that that Alonzo Hampton has some really nice young pieces that if he continues to recruit well, man, UAPB can build back and be a SWAT contender. You got to remember now, just a couple seasons ago, they were playing for for the championship. Um, so it's not one of those programs that's like, you know, completely down and out. Um, I think, you know, they get a chance to build off of this showing, even though they didn't win. But, you know, when you talk about having a centerpiece, the running back is the centerpiece. Um, he's legit. Uh, ain't no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, you can go back and you can look at his game versus Tulsa. Uh, you know, he's a legit guy. A guy that's going to, you know, put defensive coordinators uh, on notice as far as, you know, hey, this is what we got to do. This is the guy we got to circle kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, Coach Hampton's got some guys, got some good centerpieces, like you said, young, um, that he can build on, you know. I don't think you could say enough about the Tennessee State defense. They, they, just, got, they, 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 they just got dudes everywhere, man. James Green, Monroe Beer, uh, Monroe Beer, Bryce Phillips, Jeremiah Josephs from Duquesne, the transfer, has been outstanding these first two games. Chris Walker came out of nowhere, two tackles for loss and a sack. You got Terrell Allen in all-conference, all-American candidate on the defensive line, Josh Green in the second there. I mean, they check off all the boxes defensively, and they proved it this weekend. I was a little surprised. UAP, I think it speaks to how well UAPB can run the football on this that, that they did this weekend, but if Tennessee State's going to compete for the Big South OVC, it's going to be on the back of this defense. And I still don't know if they have a true answer at quarterback. I think this weekend, at least, Davion Bryant played the best out of him and Draylon Ellis. I think the offense was a little bit more consistent. I was really surprised at how well Bryant used his legs this weekend. But I, I think, man, and I, I will say UAPB, Jalen Macon played really well this weekend too so that's it i'll be interesting to see if he can continue to build i mean he went 20 for 25 against one of the best defenses in the big south ovc well and then you know just staying with the tennessee state uh theme can they generate enough offense to help their defense kind of like the morgan situation when they get into conference play because defensively i think they'll be in a lot of games uh how long without offense i don't know um and i think that's got to be the question mark for them as well yeah, and I mean, shifting to another game, and we talked about, oh, Nelson, we both picked this one. No surprise here. <sighs> North Dakota State, 44-7 to over Maine. Maine didn't score a touchdown until late in the fourth quarter, and we talked about it, man. The time of possession with this new clock roll with the Bison is going to be an issue. 35 minutes of possession time this weekend for the Bison and finished the game with 264 rushing yards, five touchdowns, and averaged almost six yards per carry as a team again. The only thing that worries me about what happened with them this weekend, uh, B, is that they had almost 100 yards of penalties. Um, oh, yeah. when, you, when you get up there and you start talking about playing the SDSTs, uh, you can't have 100 yards and penalties and expect to be able to beat those guys. Uh, 
But that running game, like we talked about, if you let it get going, man, and they get up a score or two, it's going to be tough for you. Uh, but they've got to fix that. You can't have almost 100 yards and penalties and expect to beat the, you know, the good teams. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the South, the North Dakota State's secondary, legit. Three interceptions this week, and they played well for two weeks. And last week, they played a really good quarterback um, in, in Vesperos for Eastern Washington. I will say, I mean, Cam Miller was efficient, 14 to 19 for 152. But I just think it's just going to be an adjustment for me. They're just not, I mean, if they don't have to pass the ball, they're not going to. No, why? (laughs) You're going to have to put 11 in the box. Right. And just leave someone out open for, yeah, like they're not, because I mean, look at the rushing attack, coach. I mean, their two leading rushers were their two quarterbacks. Cole Payton goes for 102, two touchdowns, averaging 12 yards per carry. And Cam Miller goes for 68 and two tubs, averaging almost five. At the end of the day, man, unless you stop them running the football, it's going to be tough to beat this team. Don't have to prove that they can throw the ball one bit if they don't, you know, if you don't, like you said, put the the nine in a box and say, hey, if you beat us one-on-one, you you, you win. Um, I think at the end of the day, that may be one of those situations where you're going to have to do that just to make them prove that they can do it. And it may be one of those games where, you know, team really doesn't have anything to lose. Uh, we're going to stack it. We're going to play uh, eight, nine-man front. Beat us on the outside if you can. I mean, listen, their backup quarterback this year has 206 yards rushing, three touchdowns, and is averaging 14.7 yards per carry. And they're not a backup quarterback. quarterback system. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, listen, and we're going to get something in the Montana State game because you as an offensive coach, I just got to know how you feel about it. But before then, man, real quick, I, um, you know, we probably won't break this one down too much, obviously. Coach, you missed this one. I'm going to have to call you out on it, man. You picked a and I did. For the upset. I did. Man, I'll, I'll say this. I, I want to give some credit. That team could be really good if they had a quarterback. I mean, their quarterback situation is the only thing keeping AT from competing, man. I mean, listen, I want to be honest here. They played a hell of a defensive game and they ran the ball really, really well. I mean, they ran for 156 yards, five yards per carry. Their two starting running backs both averaged eight yards per carry. Right. And Davius Richard had a terrible game by his standards. Right. But at the end of the day, what was the, uh, what was the third down situation? Oh, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, and, that, and I think that goes back to them not having a quarterback there because unless they unless they stay ahead of the chains and unless right. they get themselves into third and short, they don't have a quarterback that they trust to. If it's third and four or more, God, they're out. I mean, they can't do anything. I mean, what do you do? Because I'm putting as listen, I'm putting man on man coverage on the outside because I don't trust your quarterback to put it in the right spot anyway. And I'm putting as many people in the box as I can. Like I say all the time, uh, one of my sayings, nothing but a dice game. <laughs> yeah. And then on but top of there. that, they were on the field for 36 minutes as a defense. And me and you talked beforehand. We're going to talk about a game here very soon where that played a large role. I don't care if you have the 80, 85 Bears defense, the 2000 Ravens defense. They wear down eventually, man. Like, you can't have your defense on the field for 36, 40 minutes in a game, and your offense isn't consistent and can't establish drives because you can't convert on, on third downs. Like, it, it's a recipe for disaster, man. But when you hold an all American quarterback to 127 yards passing, no touchdowns through the, th- through the air. And then, I'm, I mean, listen, I'll take in that. But the problem is, I mean, the, at the end of the day, they wore down and they couldn't stop the run in the second half. Yeah. And, and that's, 
the 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 issue, like you said, at that point, um, I don't care at this level, well, really football in general, um, you're good, you're, you're good to be too deep in certain positions, you know, quality too deep. Um, and if you're not quality too deep at all 11, at some point in time, around that 50 play, 60 play bark, when you have put those starters out there, uh, quick three and outs, um, you're going to wear down at, at the critical time. And then, you know, once a team gets that run, uh, running game established, it becomes tougher to stop the run. It becomes tougher on you to stop the run because it takes a, it, 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 you have to exert a lot of energy tackling. Uh, D line, O line, you know that. And then secondary, everybody else coming up, those hits start to wear, tear. And before you know it, it's a miscommunication. Boom, somebody's out of gap. It's going 60. Uh, and that's your 70th play of the game. You know, uh, you've got to find a way, uh, A and T wise, they've got to find a way to kind of find something for the, the guy that takes the snaps that can do, that can help you, like, say, get third and six, get the third and eights, because they're going to happen. It's going to be game. It's in a game. It's going to happen. But you got to find a way to get it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I, th- I-, I still want Davis to play better. I, I, w- I just haven't. I don't know how to put this without, you know, sounding like I'm being too critical on them because they are undefeated right now. I mean, they played a D2 team last week, but I haven't been overly impressed with Central in either of their games. I I, I don't know. It just – I'll put it like this. I'm not going to say they aren't going to win the MEAC. I'm not going to say anything crazy like that. I'm just saying it feels like there's something missing. They're good. But it just feels like there's like an ingredient off. Like you just can tell, like you don't have that perfect combination. Like I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's going to show. But with them losing a conference game, but I will say I, that Morgan game each week I see Central play so far, and I'm looking forward to this week against UCLA. I'm getting a little bit more confident each week that Morgan's going to pull it off. Defensively, they haven't showed you any reason not to believe in them. You know what no. I mean. The only problem is, is like if Morgan wins this game, it's going to have to be like a four to two game with like <laughs> with like two safeties on one side and a safety. I mean, like the offense is just not there for Morgan. That's the only reason I, I'm not going to come out and say I'm picking Morgan. But they central. I mean, they did run for two eighteen five point five yards per carry. They're just bully ball. Is that going to work? against Morgan I don't know like I I mean it could like they, that's how good they could be but right now I don't see that working against Morgan and if it's all on Davius man I don't think he's been spectacular this year is he ready to go do what he did last year against Morgan and throw for you know go crazy through the air that's what I'm waiting to see because 15 of 23 for 127 isn't going to cut it against Morgan and I'll say this before we move on with it um and just really catching a small snippet of that game Um, The thing that I think what you're saying is off is that everybody's uh, everybody is really, really amped for this game, for them, for him. And it just doesn't look like they're matching the the intensity right now. They know they're good. They know they're really good. Uh, We're just going to walk out here, roll it out and we'll be fine at the end. that's got to change as you, like you said, as you get closer to that Morgan game, as you get closer to those conference games, that's got to change. They've got to pick up their intensity. Um, and I think right now they're just kind of on cruise control. And that's just me from the outside looking in, only watching a few plays here and there on them. Yeah. And before, and we got 
three games we got to talk about left, three games of the week that we really got to talk about. But real quick, guys, listen, football back in full swing, whether it's NFL, whether it's college football, another week of epic games this past weekend. But guys, who else has you covered other than DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL? Man, new customers can bet just $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on all this action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day in September. All you have to do is get to get in on the NFL college football week two action or week three action for college football with DraftKings Sportsbooks is download the app now and use code BLUEBLUS to sign up. New customers can instantly bet just $5 and take home $200 in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbooks with the code Blue Bloods, the crown is yours. But, man, Coach, let's get back into these games of the week. And we got Upset City this weekend, and me and you both didn't see this one coming. I thought it could be a close game, but, man, 30-7, to Western Carolina, unranked at the time, knocks off number eight, Sanford. Coach, your takeaways on the first massive upset of the FCS football season. This was dominant in every sense of the word. Uh, when you go and you look at it, uh, and I'll let you read it off. How many first downs? I, I, I'll let you read that one. I, I just want to read one. You know what stat in particular I want to – I mean, 34 first downs, like you said. And I – oh, my God. 41 minutes of possession. They The time of possession battle was 41 minutes for Western Carolina – 18 minutes for Sanford. And I know someone in the chat saying they had a huge rain delay. Before the rain delay, they had no answer for this offense. I, I, I'm not blaming the weather delay on this at all. Western Carolina this weekend was the best team on the field. And I went back and watched it just because I was. I agree. When I heard the weather delay, I was like, eh, may, maybe they just came out. But, they, I mean, they looked dominant this weekend. And with that time of possession – it wasn't just like a bunch of uh, one-hitter quitters, uh, deep ball after deep ball. With that time of possession, that was just grinded out. Mm-hmm. That was a quick game. And 546 yards later, uh, it's nothing else to talk about. Me and you talked about this. What, what was it? Um, well, I guess it was on the preview, wasn't it? But it wasn't for this game. We talked about it for another game where – if you want to, if you know you have an explosive offense on the other side, you That's run so the ball to keep that offense on the sideline. Michael Hires had an outstanding game and a loss. I mean, they only put up seven points, but three fifteen, a touchdown. Even with him getting sacked six times in the run game, contributing nothing. They only rushed for forty six yards, and neither running back had over thirty yards rushing. They, he got no help and still put up crazy stats. But Western Carolina and Kerwin Bell said, we are going to run the football, Play keep keyboard. Michael Hires on the sideline, Play keep and, and you got to stop us. And they yep. couldn't st- – and I want to give a huge shout-out to Cole Gonzalez, at quarterback. I mentioned last week they kind of rot- – they rotated him in the Harvard transfer. He proved this weekend that he's taken a massive step forward. He's a sophomore coach. And I will say the one of the best sophomore duos in the country – is Cole Gonzalez at quarterback and Desmond Reed, who was a freshman All-American running back last year. Those two guys are going to be an issue if they stick around in Kerwin Bell's offense at Western Carolina. And all they did was play keep away, you know, uh, with those guys. And like we talked about, 
if you can do it and score, uh, you're, 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 you're winning. And you put pressure on him, sacking him, like you said, six times. Uh, did not see this one coming. Uh, we said that this would be maybe closer next year. Yeah. Um, they said, no, it's going to be us this year kind of thing. But uh, to 41 minutes, game is only 60 minutes. I mean, think about that. Uh, they were just efficient. They, they were efficient running the football. They were efficient passing the football. And you got to give, listen, the criticism for Easter, uh, for, for, uh, for, for Western Carolina was they had no defense. It was like, could Kerwin Bell ever build a defense? Yeah. And I think that, I think they might have, I mean, I, I know they gave up a lot of passing yards. They shut down the run game and they consistently got pressure on Michael Hires. I mean, the, you've got to give the defense credit. They have a lot of good, and we said this on the preview individually on paper, they have so much talent. It was like, could they put it together in a conference game? Listen, we talked about this in media. I don't know if you remember this. I said it's been like eight, I, I want to say like eight years since the SoCon favorite has won the conference. And it's always yeah. been someone coming out of nowhere. Man, Western Carolina is an extremely interesting team if they continue to grow under Kerwin Bell. Say, so don't look now. Um, mm. But, you know, the, the thing what they did defensively was bend on break, keep it in front of you. Um, and they had those timely sacks. Um, they were able to put them behind the chains a couple times to help them out. Um, keep it in front. If you keep it in front, you got a chance. Yeah, because I mean, you you see, you know, you see all the yards they give up passing. That the uh, Sanford only had one red zone opportunity. Yeah, keep it in front. I mean, that, listen, you don't have to drop the length of the field with us, and I mean, that's going to work. It's going to work with the offense that they have. And my takeaway, I mean, the, the the statement that sums this game up is, man, Kerwin Bell and Western Carolina are here. Like we talk, we talk next year. They're here now, and they're going to be an issue this year. And I will say. I told I told you on the preview, Kerwin Bell told me at media day, and he said it confidently, didn't blink, didn't stutter. He said, this team looks so much like my Valdosta team that came out of nowhere and won the D2 National Championship. Yeah. He was like, we're going to be good. And he was not lying. I mean, this was the first test. And I see a lot of people, I will say, I'm disappointed in the voters that didn't put Western Carolina in the top 25. Like It's just insane that – that's happened. They're like, oh, Stanford's just overrated now. And it's like, man, if you've been paying attention to Western last year, they had talent. Like, this was a team that was probably borderline in mind. Like, they were right outside. I was really looking forward to seeing them play. Western Carolina is a top 25 team right now. If you're a voter that doesn't have them in the top 25, you got to watch more film, man, because this team is talented. They were very young last year. Kerwin Bell has a contender this year, and they're going to compete for the SOCON. I'm telling you right now on paper, they're they're the best team in the SoCon behind maybe Furman, and I can't wait to see that game. But and we have we just gave got another topic for another show. But you know it's you have a ranked team, you have an unranked team. The unranked team basically stones the ranked team and still gets no respect as far as the voters go. So that's a whole nother show. Like what yeah. does the unranked team have to do to get that? You know, because this was to me. This is at least uh, okay. We can put them at twenty-four, at least. Uh, higher because, than that. Higher but I'm than just that. saying, at least yeah. that worst-case scenario. I, I think the problem is, uh, I'll be honest. I think a lot of voters, and we talked about this during the off-season. A lot of voters are just scared to admit that they were wrong. They're going to stick to their preseason ballot, <laughs> and they're going to and they're going to play slot rankings where it's like, okay, well, this team won, so they're going to move up, and this team lost, so they're going to drop them. Nah, man, start your ballot fresh each week. 
and judge according to what you've seen on paper. Like I, I had Western Carolina at 17 in mind. They that should be like probably the minimum. And I think I only saw a few, you know, people release their ballots depending on who they are. Me and Sam Herner both had them in the top 20. Anybody they should have been ranked this week. I mean, what like you said, 30 to 7 win where they were dominant over this team that everybody like, because here's why I get aggravated when they say, Oh, well, now Sanford's overrated. It might be, but a week ago, if I would have told you that, you would have said I was crazy. So right. it's just it's just like confirmation bias voting, and it just aggravates me. Because they still have one of the best quarterbacks in the in the country. He's good. Um, uh, Cole you know, is good, man. You still have him. You have a defense that returned quite a bit of people. Yeah. Um, so it's not uh, like this team. An offensive line that has, I want to say, three guys with over 30 yeah. career starts. So it's not like this team graduated everybody, you know, that made a run. Um, at worst, like I said, at, at worst, I mean, we couldn't put him at 24, you know, we couldn't put him at 25. Uh, even if it was a fluke, I'm saved by putting them there. They go out next week and get blasted. Okay. They're out of the top 25 again, but at least 24, yeah. 25. I'm with you, man. You know, <clears throat> quickly, man, cause I know we got to get to the last two games here. Maybe already at an hour, man, it's been flying by this show, but Weber state. Listen, I, I I was wrong on this one, man. I, I thought Northern Iowa was going to do a little bit better than they did, but 34-17, to 17, Weber State gets the big road win over uh, over Northern Iowa, man. What were your takeaways from uh, Weber's win? They were able to hold them under 50 yards rushing. And we already talked about that with that new rule. That means they didn't have the ball, uh, even though it was kind of evenly matched. But once you get to a point and that clock is rolling, you start to press. And I think that kind of caught up with them. But if you can shut somebody's run game off uh, with this new clock rule and your offense put up just a little bit, that gives you an opportunity, especially on the road, especially on the road. I will say I still have questions about Weber's quarterback situation. I wasn't overly impressed with Kylan. But I will, but I will say, man, the the run game's elite, man. Damon Bankston is putting on an all American performance this year so far. One forty four, three touchdowns over six yards per carry. The kid's balling. But I will say, you and I is that kind of team that always comes in with the hype, builds the hype, and never lives up to it. And I'm not saying this kid's a bad quarterback because he is one of the top prospects in the NFL for the upcoming NFL draft. But I keep hearing how great Theo Day is. I'm going to have to see it in some big games before I'm buying the hype anymore. Cause like there's this thing is like, Oh, he's got the measurables. He's got the arm talent. I need to see some wins in some crucial games. 23 of 41 with three picks is not, is not doing it for me. And, you know, he threw for three twelve, but those were empty yards at the end of the day. Cause at the, it didn't do anything to win the game. He did get sacked five times. The offensive line has to play better. But the UNI Theo Day hype has to stop. I saw people putting him on all American list. I, I saw all he's got to stop. He's got to prove it. At the end of the day, he was the highest graded quarterback in the country according to PFF. But he's got to play better in games like this. Sergio Morancy at wide receiver, though, is legit, though, for UNI. But defensively, man, you got to give Weaver their credit. Winston Reed, a problem. Jack Kelly, two forced fumbles, two tackles for loss, and two sacks. They they had those three big interceptions, including my guy Maxwell Anderson, who was an All American corner last year. That they did their thing, man. I, you got to you got to give Weber their credit. And it listen, what I tell you, coach, 
kick it away from Abraham Williams. He only got one touch on the kickoff, and he took that one 40 yards. I mean, listen, stop kicking it to number four because you're going to lose the game because of it. It's going to cost you at the end of the day. And before we move on, you know, speaking about you and I, uh, they've got to help him. Um, you've got to run for more than 46, and you've got to protect him. Um, everybody in the country knows who he is just because of what you just said. Um, so people are going to game plan. He's not Lamar Jackson back there. Um, so people are going to scheme and game plan him for, you know, for that. And they've just got to be a better, uh, better offensive rushing team and an offensive, uh, better offensive protecting team because you have the big gun, but it's tough to be the big gun when you're on the run if you're not Lamar. Uh, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, until he does it, I, again, I don't know how you just continue to create the hype machine, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, it, it, at this point, it's a lot of hype and not a lot of on-field results. We'll see, though. There's a bit, they got some chances in conference play, and it was funny. I, you know, I was in South Dakota this weekend. They were saying that you and I is always that team that never lives up to the hype, but if North Dakota State or South Dakota State comes to the Dome, it's going to be a close game. They're going to turn it on for that one game, and then they're going to oh, lose yeah. the next week to someone they shouldn't. But, man, final two games. One, we were both wrong on this one, man. Jason Brown ended up being healthy, played the whole game. 27-14 win for Jackson. T.C. Taylor, a huge road victory. This was important. We both talked about this last week. That was a big win for him. Puts a lot of pressure on the man over there in Baton Rouge and, and Dooley as the head coach. But I will say, man, looking at this game, I mean, it kind of played out not surprisingly, I, I said at the what at the end of our show, if Jason Brown was healthy, man, Jackson should have came in with the advantage. But you know, I didn't know if he was going to play. I kind of doubted that. I didn't trust the backup, but he went out and played pretty well. Didn't turn the football over. Finished with about 150 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers. Man, at the end of the day, that's all you can ask from your starting quarterback. And I want to I want to say on record, uh, uh, yeah, I was wrong. I can admit I was wrong, but at the end of the day. Uh, I can say Jackson State uh, answered the bell. Um, and I thought being a close game, that home field advantage would help, you know, SU. And that didn't matter with whatever quarterback Jackson threw out there. I just felt that SU home field uh, sellout crowd, that would be enough to put them over the top uh, just because they were at home. Now, if the game would have been at Jackson or if we would have known off top, even if I would have known if Jason was going to be, the, I'm sorry, the quarterback for Jackson was going to start, um, I still take SU because they're at home. Um, and I felt like they were primed because it's tough to play there. Uh, but again, Jackson State proved me wrong. Uh, I can admit that. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, one team walks away relieving a little pressure and the other team walks away with a tremendous amount of pressure. You are not lying. We even talked to a petition to get a new head coach down there. Baton Rouge has been started, circulating around social media, man. Listen, Devontae Davis. I do want to say nobody else was putting this guy on like I was for the past two seasons. <laughs> Devontae Davis, if, if I, I, I will say if they if Devontae Davis was not on your all swag ballot, on your all swag team, if you release one, you absolutely have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, Did I watch enough film? This kid is this kid is so good. I 
a, for a defensive tackle, guys, to get three and a half tackles for loss and two and a half sacks when that's not a defensive tackle's job, this I mean, he is taking his play to the next level. I mean, he is that guy. He's and disregarding he is, some people. <laughs> I mean, just a problem. And on top of that, Jeremiah Williams doing his thing too. Six tackles from, I mean, it's insane to me that two guys from the interior can have that type of impact on a game. I mean, I, I don't think people understand, especially people who don't really like to watch a line of scrimmage play. I get it. It's not super exciting. I understand. But for me as an offensive lineman, you don't understand how special you have to be as an athlete at the defensive tackle spot playing the one or three tech to have the impact on the game that these guys have. I mean, they combine for three sacks and five tackles for loss. And that's not even including True Thompson having a pretty good game as well from the defensive tackle spot. Yeah, three guys from the same position, basically. Um, and if people don't know uh, the football side of things, that is the interior guys. We're not talking about the sexy position running around the edge. We're talking about the interior guys. And to have that, that means they're disregarding three people in there. And when I mean disregarding, I'm talking about disregarding them to have those type of impact, you know, plays. Uh, but I need you to give a shout out to one guy for me. I can't say his name, but you know who I am. You know who I'm oh, I got about. you. I got if you. They don't have that guy. If they don't have that guy, they are in serious trouble. Yeah. So as you guys know, coach can't say players, other players' names in the swag. He, listen, Rico Powers is that guy offensively for them. Obviously, coach being a wide receivers coach knows what he's looking for. Listen, Rico Powers has had a hell of a season this year. I know there was a lot of doubt coming into the year, and that's fine because it was just based on past results. This, this guy has taken his play up to the next level. And just in terms of the wide receiving room, he separated himself as an elite target. I mean, listen, four receptions, 71 yards, a touchdown. I'm pull, hang on. Did, had he, if I'm not mistaken, he's had a touchdown in every single game they played this year, if I'm not mistaken. I'm Outside of South Carolina State. Okay, so this year, twelve. He's had, he has 12 receptions, 285, and two touchdowns. I'll take it. He's balling. <laughs> He's balling. You got to get it. And also, it's weird. I think with this team, too, Jackson fans and also just SWAC fans, HBC football fans have to get used to seeing this team be a run first team. They're not, the, this is not the same offense that you've seen the past two, three years under the previous coach. They're going to run the football down your throat if they can. Irv Mulligan is getting 20 to 25 carries a game and he's putting up 100 yards, averaging about five, six yards per carry every time. And you got to hey, you got to give them credit, man. I, 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 I think what what's happening, what you saw with FAMU, they corrected that, and I think they're kind of leaning into their identity. What I saw happen is they kind of saw what they put on the field against South Carolina State. FAMU, it didn't really work, and they sat down this week and said, "Listen, this is what our identity is. We got an amazing running back. We've made changes along the offensive line." We knew Rico is that guy at wide receiver, and we got a strong defensive line. You're going to have to beat us, and we're going to try to smash mouth you, and, and we're going to run the football down your throat. And if, unless you stop us, it's cool. I think the recipe going forward with what you just said um, when playing Jackson State um, is you, you get out fast on them and you make them have to do something different. Um, like you said, that, that running back room is heavy. Um, they run hard. They run heavy. Uh, now you get out fast on them. You take away my guy, and uh, you see if someone else in that room, that receiver room, can beat you. Uh, but to go into that that situation 
and, and win a ball game, uh, hats off to Coach Taylor. Uh, that was that was huge, huge. Yeah, he played. He, he played a, a. Listen, I mean, that, not only did Rico and Irv and those guys play a big game. I will say, listen, because everyone wants to ask. I know. I, I got it. So, Coach, I'll take this one over. The offensive line played a lot better this weekend. I'm glad. Listen, Cameron James, I've been hard on him. I only played 11 snaps. They tried a few different lineups this game, Coach. Everyone's talking about Quay Davis. Had him on the show, a true freshman at left tackle. I still don't think Quay is ready to start. I know everyone – listen, everyone's talking about how well he played. He played He played good for a true freshman in his first game. I will say the lineup I would go, I'll, I'll, I'll give you all – Deontay Graham at right tackle, Josiah Roa at right, at right guard, Evan Henry at center, and then on the left side, what I actually would do is I'd put Sierra Riley at guard on that side, and then I would then I would move um I would move uh DeAndre Towns Blue to tackle. Based on just the analytics, how the offensive line played together, that's the best lineup. And then Quay, Quay could come off the bench as like a six man almost, where you kind of fit them in where you need to if you need to move anyone inside, go a heavy package. The kid's six seven. If you need a goal line heavy package, put that that dude six seven three fifty. Put him in there. He's gonna move somebody. But right. I just don't. I don't think Quay's ready to start at tackle right now, guys. Based on what I watched, that's the lineup I would go with. Though I think you bring Sear uh, Riley at, at guard and you move DeAndre Townsville at tackle on that side. Maybe later in the year, um, he does take that over. Um, but it's tough uh, for true freshmen at any position. Um, outside of, I'd say, outside skill um, to come in right off and be a just a, a starter from the from the jump. And up there, I think as the weeks go, I think he'll become more comfortable with the speed after, you know, he sees different looks. Uh, but, you know, you definitely don't want to roll him out there now, um, Texas State, because uh, you don't want to kill the young man's confidence. Uh, no. You want to keep him moving in an upward uh, situation. So, I mean, that's a positive that you have that. Um, you don't want to kill that right now in week three, week four. Uh, you know, you want to have him really, really rolling come the end of the season. Um, so, you know, I think uh, Jackson State has a uh, good thing going right now uh, by having that dilemma, so to speak. Yeah, and and to keep it quick before we move to the game of the week, we, we me and you both said on the preview, if Harold Blood throws a lot, it's, it's over. 46 attempts. This weekend got sacked five times and you've got, and listen, I mean, at the end of the day, Jackson's defensive line played better. They held Southern to 0.5 yards per carry 13 yards rushing total. And I will say, I don't, they didn't commit to the run. Like I thought they would either. I mean, Kendrick, Kendrick Rimes had 11 carries. Gary Crowell's only had five. It, it just ain't going to work, man. Like Dooley, I don't think do like when I look at Dooley's game plan, man, if I, if I was going into face Jackson, I would not let my quarterback who's unproven throw it 50 times and only run the ball 16 because 10 of the rushes were just scrambles by Harold Blood because he was getting murdered in the pocket. So it's just it was a weird game plan for me and I just I it I don't understand what was going what was going on with Southern's game plan this weekend. And it goes back to like we just talked about the tackle. You're talking about a young kid um and you're putting him in those situations uh he hadn't faced that a lot before. Um, so now with him, I think you really got to be careful and you got to give him a game plan that takes care of him by way of not putting him back there at that launch pad 
50 times um, unless you're just true run and shoot uh, five wide, four wide type situations, which which situation, which they're not. Um, and I think uh, with that situation, you, you it's a very fine line, man, of of killing him for the year, uh, not physically, but mentally, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, running for your life back there with them guys, that ain't fun play after play. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I Dave put in the chat. It said 0.5 yards. Is that like he turned around and fell down? <laughs> 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 Bro, that's as a team. As a team, they average 0.5 yards per carry. Blood was averaging negative. Those sacks count against that as well. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. But but their starting running back averaged 0.5 per carry, and their backup running back averaged zero yards per carry. I'm going to say that he had some negative yardage in there. <laughs> That's what it averaged. Too. I mean, listen, give Jackson props. They have a big game this week against Texas State, man. Another chance for the FCS to get an FBS win. Southern, every game's a must win from now on. It don't matter who they play next week. It's A&M, but they better win from now on because – the uh, the pressure is immense. You could listen. It's already humid and hot down there in Baton Rouge. The pressure is is suffocating around was, that campus right now. I was gonna have my uh, my cigar lighter, my cigar torch to to demonstrate how hot that thing is. Yes, because uh, that flame. They say the hottest flame is blue. Uh, that that flame's blue mm. right now. And this game this week counts, right? Yeah, this game finally counts. They sure. they they. they Played every SWAC team they could that didn't, and now they finally start. They finally the start counting. Yeah, but man, you got. I, I'm happy that Jason's healthy because Jackson's a different team when Jason's healthy. I, I and I think you saw the, my final takeaway before we move on to the game of the week. You saw why I said Jason's the guy at quarterback. His maturity, his ability not to turn the football over, make the proper decisions, and even if he's not playing at a hundred percent in terms of like his full potential, he still makes the correct decisions, man. And just get me a quarterback where if we have a run, if we're running for six yards per carry like we were with Irv, cool. Put Jason in, and, and he's gonna go do his thing, and we'll we'll, we'll finish with one hundred and fifty yards in the win. I'm good with that. So. I, I think they made the right decision there, and that's that's why I was worried about picking them last week is I was like, if Jason's out, I don't know if that game goes like it did this weekend. And before you move on, like you said, uh, it's okay to have a game manager um, yep. as long as he's managing the game right. It, there, thank you. As long, if, if you're managing right and we win, give me a game manager all day. But, Coach, game of the week, man. I was there in person. Highlights already up on the channel. I'm working on pictures. South Dakota State with the comeback win, 20-16 to 16 in front of a sold-out crowd. They did the blackout for the first time, and the crowd participated in that really well. They brought out the black helmets with the jerseys, the pants. I mean, listen, they, they, did, they did it up for this game. But early on, they struggled. I mean, it was 10 nothing early, and it, there, was some, there was a little bit of worry in that stadium. And in the second half, Mark Gronowski and that team came out with a different type of energy. The running game started to click late. And, man, they just made the plays they needed to make to win this game. Coach, what did you think about this win for the Jacks? The thing that I have circled, and I was going to sit back and just uh, listen to you and be entertained from your time there, uh, we as coaches always talk about trying to be balanced. And they were about as balanced as they could be um, at the end of the day, 184 passing, 157 rushing. Um, and we're talking about a rush first team um, to be able to almost put up 200 mm -hmm. yards passing. Um, in a comeback situation, uh, I think bolts well for them early in the season. Um, I think it kind of puts them back. I won't say back, but it kind of puts them back in focus uh, going forward uh, because now they know they've been tested early. Uh, 
might not be good for the rest of the conference, but good for them. Uh, tested early, came back, did it with something that you're not really known to do, so to speak. That's not your your first choice. Uh, man, that speaks volumes for them. I've, looking at this game here, okay, so my biggest takeaway is Montana State's ready to really compete for a national championship. Because at the end of the day, like, yes, South Dakota State won. They traveled to Brookings in a primetime game with with a sold-out crowd and in a hostile environment, played so much better than they did just a year ago in the playoffs when they got run out run out that stadium. I think they really improved in the trenches. The offensive line played a lot better. Your defense played a whole lot better in terms of slowing down the run early. It's just when I, you know, Tommy Malott gets hurt in the fourth quarter, so he he can't play in the final quarter. Sean Chambers shows some flashes. It's just what is the ceiling for Montana State in terms of passing the football? You have to have a downfield passing attack at the end of the day, especially like maybe not against the average teams that are on this schedule, but if you want to beat the elite teams, we saw that a down a lack of a downfield passing attack is why South Dakota State was so dominant over North Dakota State last year. Yep. They couldn't pass the football down the field. So you have South Dakota State, who's very balanced. Gronowski didn't even play his best game, but he ended up finishing 184, two touchdowns, made the plays all the way through the game that they needed to in crucial moments, including the game-winning touchdown pass to the true freshman wide receiver, uh, Griffin. I still think that's the one thing with Montana State that I have a question mark about is if if it comes down to whether they can throw the football down the field, are they are can they? Because it I don't know if it's more of a they can't more than they're just not willing to right now. And I just I just I'm not sure what the next step is for this team. And you know uh, I'm with you on that. And it can be a whole bunch of what ifs if he's able to play in the fourth quarter, you know yada yada yada. But I think the biggest takeaway from them uh, for them uh, with this game is that we can actually do this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we had a chance. We let one get away. Uh, again, man, when you're talking about these types of wins and losses, uh, for them with this type of loss, uh, can they rebound back? Because I'm sure walking off that field in that locker room, there was a lot of, man, we should have put this away. We had opportunities. Do they hang on to that for another week? Or do they take it and say, you know what, we, we're, we're just as good as they are. Uh, let's put it together and move forward, and we'll see this team again. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. But right now they've got to feel you, – you never feel good with a loss, but they've got to feel good with this loss because this is a lot better performance than than the last time. They left so many opportunities on the field. That was that was like really my biggest takeaway is it just felt like my, if you're going to beat the number one team in the country on the road, you have to play a damn near perfect game. And Montana State didn't play that. You look at – I want to say they had eight fall starts Not good. on Saturday night. I mean, listen, the crowd was deafening. I mean, it was it was so loud in there all the time. And plus, South Dakota State was smart and made it where Montana State was going toward the student section in the final quarter so that when they're in the red zone in that final quarter, you can only imagine how deafening it is over there with that whole crowd coming down on you. But you can't have three red zone attempts and come away with three field goals. No, don't work. They uh, blocked a punt at one point, had the ball at the one-yard line, got stuffed for three downs. We're going to go for it on fourth down, and a false start pushed them back, so they had to kick the field goal. Can't have it, especially when you're trying, like you said, you're trying to beat the number one team. Uh, you got to have those things. Uh, and then you got to also understand, man, uh, I know you're trying to prove a point, 
but they're number one for a reason. Spread that thing out and let's go. Uh, and we'll rock from there. We'll take our chances. But to put all 22 of us right here with an arm's reach, um, again, I get it, trying to prove a point. But you've got to give yourself a chance to pull that type of, that type of win off um, and going toe-to-toe with them in, in that that little space on that end of the field. Uh, that you know, you run the risk of that that happening. Yeah, I mean, you you got to be better. You you can't make those, I would say, mental mistakes in a game like this. Yep. I, I think you know when you look at the when you look defensively though, Montana State played really really well in terms of the linebackers in front seven. They really, I, I, even though, listen, they gave up 157 yards rushing, five yards per carry, but against South Dakota State, that's a hell of a performance. I mean, they did not allow a hundred yard rusher. But it wasn't a gash. It wasn't that, yeah. you know, what happened before. You know, it wasn't that 60-yard ripoff. It wasn't that, you know, 80-yard to the house type runs. Um, again, like you said, nobody wants to give up 157, but you kept it under under wraps. You kept it contained, so to speak, and you had a chance to win. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's got to be a positive takeaway. With a couple of tweaks here and there, we finished the game with our starting quarterback. Who knows? Yeah, and I will say for South Dakota State, listen, you're going to be in every game you play in. I love Gronowski's ability to put a bad half in, you know, behind them, come out in the second half, play way better, and lead that touchdown drive when all the, you know everything was kind of right there. I mean, one mistake in that game is over. Montana State wins this game. And then you got to love how Montana State responded. Uh, they allowed a two-play touchdown drive after they took the lead with the field goal. They drove straight down the field and had a chance to win it. But, you know, it was unfortunate. I'll, the ref, in my opinion, needed to have a little bit better judgment because what happened is they had that play where the kid caught the touchdown. They reversed it. Well, they called like a sideline warning yeah. or something on that play. Well, yeah. when they reversed it, that penalty doesn't go away. So Still they there. backed them up 15 and it affected the hell, you know, the hell Mary at the end of the game. I hated to kind of see that because it's so it's such a ticky tacky call at that time, especially that you overturned the play. But I understand. I will say Julius Davis, very excited to see him. Man, he runs like a middle linebacker. I mean, he had some runs where he just put his face mask on someone's chest and ran him over. The offensive line for South Dakota State, dominant. I mean, those guys are huge. They did give up three sacks, so I want to see them improve that. But overall, man, I. I'll say this. When you looked at my ballot today, South Dakota State was one and Montana State was still number two. I didn't drop them after this loss because I really do think watching this game in person, seeing these teams up close, the two best teams in the country played on Saturday night in Brookings, South Dakota. That close matchup, huh? I mean, it, there were so many chances for either team to either win it or lose this game. Uh, I, I mean, you look at a 20-16 to 16 game in week two. Uh I, I, I'm, I'm going to say these are the two best teams in the country right now. I think with North Dakota State look, looks starting to look a little bit better, but I think this Saturday, man, these teams prove that they're elite, and I, I think there's a, I, I do think there's a gap between these two teams and some of the other top contenders, and you could put North Dakota State with them, but I, I need to, like I said, Idaho's got to prove himself in conference play. Holy Cross has to show that they can win these type of these type of games, but I, I would not be surprised. I was talking to people at the game. South Dakota, Montana State, I would not be surprised if that matchup's in Frisco, Texas in, in early January. I think they'll both take it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I will say the one thing I am worried about with South Dakota State is, I and I we talked about it in the preview, you could tell that they're missing those 2D tackles. Right. 
Uh, they, they are absolutely missing those two D tackles. I think it's it's weird because we talk about the d- DNA of a of a true championship team. South Dakota State's doing all this. Okay, yeah, go ahead, man. Well, coach is going to take that call, man. That's the head coach. Um, but I, I will say that uh, looking at this game, the two D tackles were a huge loss because South Dakota State. Um, we good. So South Dakota State coach doesn't have like a bona fide elite edge rusher. And I think those D tackles kind of opened up some things last year for that team to still be able to get to the quarterback, dominate the line of scrimmage. I don't know if they have that guy on the defensive line this year. They're still really good at linebacker and, and still have some solid pieces, but I just don't know if they have an elite guy on that defensive line. And you need to have at least one um, because, like you said, not just this game, but when you're talking about getting to the playoffs and you face the the, the kid at, uh, at Sanford – you go up against a Western Carolina, you've got to have a guy that can create it from the front four or the down three without having to, you know, compromise the defense, so to speak, with a, a zero blitz type situation. Um, so you've got to have at least one guy to at least command a double team that frees up other guys uh, on the inside, a la Jackson State. Uh, you know, you've got to pick your poison with who you're going to send that slide to, who you're going to make that man-to-man protection side to. Uh, and having that one guy on the outside uh, helps you out defensively. From, I mean, you, you can't even say how uh, how important that is uh, to have that down the stretch because it, and when you tar- start getting down to the, the nuts and bolts of it in the season, you've got to be able to create that. Yeah, I mean, it's just – I, I'm really excited to see like the development of both these teams. There's still some young men. Listen, Griffin Wild, a wide receiver, true freshman, goes and makes the game-winning touchdown <laughs> against Montana State and makes a hell of a move. I mean, it was just a screen pass, and he made a hell of a move and made some guys miss. The offensive line put up some good blocks for him in terms of the screen getting out there. But in two games, Coach, six receptions for 128 and two and, and two touchdowns in his first two games of his career. The kid's balling, man. And you look at him with the Yankee twins. I will say I want Amar Johnson to get more carries, man. That kid's so explosive in person. Like, we talked about his speed on the film breakdown. It's legit in person. Isaiah Davis is a bruiser. This this dude's got some jets. I mean, this game, he had five carries, 47 yards, average almost 10 yards per carry. You got to get his touches closer to double digits, I think, man, because the kid's too good to have him only get five carries. Especially when uh, you got a home run hitter, uh, you got to figure it out. And I know you have other pieces, but, you know, having a home run hitter uh, can't hit if he don't have if he's not up the bat. You know what I mean? He can't hit if he's not up the bat. So you've got to figure that out. No doubt about it. And he is a home run hitter. Yeah. I mean, listen, shout out to South Dakota State. I had a blast up there. It, it was it's nice. Only like 50, 60 degrees once it got dark. It's real, real nice up there, man. But listen, the crowd was electric. I will say it, it's up there like that's a top three FCS environment that I've been to, man. I mean, they did a hell of a job in terms of, and plus I, for me, I love when crowds are interactive. Like you, like I hate when you got like a big crowd and they're not into the game. Right. I'm talking about, they were standing up the whole game. They were loud. They were cheering. They were, they they were trying their best to, I I guess, influence the game. So I, I I gotta say, Oh yeah. And they got some facilities up there too, man. They just built, I want to say some new facilities up there. Oh yeah. Flawless. It's, it's just different, man. But listen, I had a blast, a huge win for South Dakota State. I'm assuming that 
we're pro- and that's what Coach Jimmy Rogers said in the press conference. He said, I think we're going to see this team again, whether it's in the playoffs, the national title, depending on how the seeding comes. Listen, this is probably a chance you're going to get a rematch, man. I'm really excited to see what these teams go on to do in conference play. But, Coach, mm-hmm. last thing before we get out of here, man, real quick, your biggest winner and your biggest loser from week two. Man, biggest winner, man. Um, Coach T.C. Taylor uh, down there at Jackson State. Uh goes into a pressure cooker, so to speak, and uh, and pulls off the win. That's that's the 1A. Uh, the 1B for me is uh, Coach Curran Bell. Uh, probably him and his team was the only people that picked him to be able to pull that off, and they pulled it off, as we said earlier, in dominant fashion. Um, those are the, the biggest winners to me. Um, the biggest losers got to be the FCS schools that that gave it up to the D2 schools. Nothing against the D2 schools, but, you you know, that's got to be the biggest. You paid for an L in that situation. Uh, you may not have paid a lot, but you paid for an L in that situation. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the biggest winner for me, Western Carolina, Kerwin Bellman, they're building a real program down there. That was really the the, you know, Let's welcome Western Carolina to the contender table. And I'm very interested to see, does the win keep building momentum or is the SOCON going to SOCON and they're going to slip up to like VMI or ETSU later this year? I'm interested to see that. I think another winner, you got to give it, you got to give it to South Dakota State too. I mean, listen, that was, that, that was the game to prove that, listen, Rogers first ever, this, he's like a first time head coach stepping in, Listen, John Stiglmar was there, the former coach, was on the sidelines too last night because he was honored at halftime. Got your former boss right there. Like, that's a game you can't lose. Sold out crowd, blackout. That was a game to make a statement. And I, I think they did it. And when I look at losers, ah, the D2 ones are really good. I, I do agree. Listen, the D2, I'm trying to think of like a team though, because like, listen, D2, uh, Alabama State is a big loser. Um, God, you can't lose that game. Like we said, you beat Southern the week before, and then you come out and you get, you you just, you just aren't, you can't lose to miles after a week after you beat Southern. I'll just put it like that. And then another one, Theo days hype. Happy a loser to me. Three picks. uh, Didn't perform well against Weber state. You got to win. You got to compete well in those games. If you're going to be a true NFL prospect, especially coming from the FCS, there's no room for mistakes. That was a that was only the that was the first ranked FCS matchup of the year, and he didn't and he didn't come out and perform well. If you're getting preseason All Americans, if you're All Conference, if everyone's saying that you're the best quarterback in the country, got to be that. I'm going to hold you to the standard yep. that you're the best quarterback in the country. Got to be so. That. I I, I got to give it to him, man, and, and even just Northern Iowa in general, man. The hype you got to live up to it eventually, man. So I, I'm gonna give it to Northern Iowa there. But Coach, man, big week this week. McNeese, man. But what's your schedule like this week, man? What y'all looking for? A home and it's a a big home opener too this weekend. Yep, home opener uh, versus the team that we were able to pull off a win against last year. Uh, they haven't forgot that. That's going to be a, uh, a, a I'm sure a, a big talking point for them all week, uh, as it is for us as well. Uh, you always want to get off on a good foot at the house. Um, you know, set the tone. And, you know, get yourself ready for conference play in a couple of weeks. But, you know, this is the one right now. Um, and, you know, we back at it in the morning, uh, building, trying to put the hay together 
and uh, be ready to rock come Saturday. Guys, make sure to tune in this weekend. McNeese State traveling over to Alcorn State. We got a loaded week three schedule of FCS football. Man, me and Coach will be back Thursday night, 9 p.m. Central most likely. Uh, we're definitely going to – I'll update you guys if we got to change the time. Go ahead. Uh, I want to say something, and then we can close it out. I want to apologize to any alum from Jackson State. When I say the school up the street, that is how it was introduced to me when we're talking about rival rivalries, rival talk, uh, just like they say we are Elkhorn or Slawcorn or whatever. Uh, or, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, what's the city near y'all? Port Gibson State? Port Gibson State. That was, that was probably the best one. Uh, but older alum, uh, young alum or whoever, uh, it's no disrespect. It's just the rivalry. You know, you are the school up the street. Uh, but from now on, because, you know, people got a little upset about it, I'll refer to them as who they are, uh, Jackson State. So that's what I wanted to make sure I got clear to any of your older viewers, not disrespecting, uh, just part of the rival talk. So from now on, Jackson State, until the week we play, and then you are back to school up the street. And, right. and, I, and I won't make it clear. because to, to pull off a show like this with an active coach, there are things that he can't talk about. He cannot say players' names from SWAC schools. He can break down South Dakota State film. He can break anybody not on his schedule. Me and him can chop it up and really talk about the players' names. If you play in the SWAC or you play at McNeese or you play or someone that is all in all corn schedule, Coach Coach Fred cannot say that player's name on the show just because he's an active head coach. So if it don't, if you're a player, if you're a all, if you're a parent of a player. He can't say your name. That's why he deferred it to me to give Rico his props because he can't say Rico Powers on the show until after the season is over. So I just want to clear that up, guys. Uh, exactly. We'll call him the best. <laughs> My guys at Fab, you said, don't bend, coach. Give him hell. <laughs> 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 oh, man. But guys. Um, I'm going to calculate the pick'em records. I know mine's different on the website because I do more games. We'll get the pick'em records up for uh, this Thursday. But listen, preview this Thursday. And um, there might be some more content coming on the YouTube channel. Also, check out the website, thebluebloodcfb.com. You know where to find us on social media. You know where to find myself and Coach Fred on social media. And, guys, until next time, we are out.